0: Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens Podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons on our YouTube channel linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. Turn in your Bibles as we stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. <laughs> Uh, Hey, can I, can I, like, we're going to be building ourselves up right now. Can I sting us a little bit, like, before we jump into that? Uh, Regarding consecration, what if the Lord responded in equity with blessing to the degree of which you consecrated yourselves? What are the rewards that are available, the thing that the Lord wants to do? What if he had decided, I will move in response to how they move? The Lord is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Don't move beyond the season of consecrating yourselves. Isaiah chapter 40, God's word is so good. Starting in verse 9, it says this. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters? This is, this is not a question, sorry. God is saying, talking about himself. He who will do this is he, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span. "'enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure "'and weighed the mountains in scales "'and the hills in a balance. "'Who has measured the spirit of the Lord "'or what man shows him his counsel? "'Whom did he consult and who made him understand? "'Who taught him the path of justice "'and taught him knowledge? "'And who showed him, God, the way of understanding? "'Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket.'" And are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with him? An idol? A craftsman crafts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that would not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It's he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. It's he who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers for the earth, of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble to whom will you compare me that i should be like him says the holy one lift up your eyes on high and see who created these look at the mountains their majesty their glory their power their strength It is he who created those He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. What about the stars that were painted this morning? Whitney had no idea I was going to be reading from this. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, saying, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths, shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Literally, God, what else can we say in prayer but amen and amen? May it be so. You may be seated. I am beyond excited. Some of you may be guessing where I'm going with this. It may be a little apprehensive and confused as to why I would be excited to talk about that phrase. That phrase that A, if we ask the Lord of something and he gives us this as a response, we don't like it. The phrase that we don't prefer to do in action. But can I tell you, I am overflowing with joy in the opportunity of what phrase I feel like the Lord has for us today, wait on the Lord. Some of you hate that idea. Some of you are like, oh, yes, we should wait on the Lord, right? But the way you respond to the Lord looks entirely different. The way you respond to your circumstances looks entirely different. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm not going to be able to cover everything with this topic today. We will return to the depths depths, and riches of the treasure of this phrase, of what it means and what it looks like to wait on the Lord. It will take multiple weeks. It will take at least next week as well, because it's that good, and there's that many ways to wait on the Lord. But perhaps I should lead us into this moment by phrasing it correctly. We... Get to wait on the Lord. Don't miss what I just said. Some of you here, wait on the Lord as this, be patient and be quiet. Wait. There's a portion of that in there. But we get to wait on the Lord. You get to wait on the Lord. This topic is is not confined to this one verse. It is pervasive throughout Scripture. Let me just read. They're not going to be up there, but let me just read multiple passages that talk about this. Psalm 25, verses 4 through 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I will wait all the day long. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the ones who profit prosper in their way over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 27, verses 13 through 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Matthew 6, 33, it's kind of an application uh, from the process of waiting on the Lord. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Hosea 12.6, so you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Psalm 27.14, wait for the Lord and be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Micah 7.7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Isaiah 64, 4. From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, nor eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Can I just take a second, Uh, Whitney? I, I, I mean, since we're talking about Isaiah 64, like I have to, in light of your painting, like I have to read what it says here. Just kidding, I got confused. All right. <laughs> Psalm 130, verse five. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I hope. How many times does God have to tell us something before we get it? And these are all promising Anticipation, waiting for the Lord. I ask you, it's time of question and response. What do you guys think it means or looks like to wait on the Lord? What do you think? Yeah. All right. Be still. Find a, place with, that's a quiet place with no distractions and just pause. All right. Be still. Find a place with that's quiet place with no distractions and just pause. Don't make hasty decisions, even if it looks like a good thing. Good don't take things into your own hands good okay so she's even taking it in english from the from the w- Longer noun waitress or waiter that kind of going to their master and, and just like sitting before them and saying what, what 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 do you what can I do what do you want me to do yeah to off of to serve yeah piggybacking off of what she said yes yeah. serving while you're waiting yeah Hannah Trusting in His promises and clinging to Him in the waiting process. That's good. She answered it. Yeah. Ditto. Uh, yeah. Seeking His face, seeking His kingdom. Yeah, seeking His face, seeking His kingdom. Good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so Daniel stepping into some good, deep, uh, biblical theology and background cultural understanding of uh, Jesus, who was a Galilean. uh, If you understood the way that weddings uh, were done in Galilee, then you would understand more richly what a lot of the um, uh, parables that Jesus talked about, heaven is like, and what is waiting for us in eternity, and the, the, the marriage that, that is coming between Jesus, the bridegroom, and his bride, uh, the church, and the parable of the virgins waiting, uh, having oil and not having oil. Uh, he, he's just talking about that, that, that reality of the bride waiting joyfully for um, her bridegroom who could come at any moment. Um, that's good. I want to go deeper into that, but I think there's a, a, a YouTube video you can watch that that does a good job on that. See Daniel afterwards. Yeah. So there's definitely a on of faith because you're not just waiting just because you're waiting you're waiting expecting God to move yeah you're waiting that's with, and right constantly reminding yourself how faithful he is yeah constantly reminding yourself how good he is that he is uh, he better than what you think yeah So she said uh, there's an element of faith that's involved in this. There's an expectation that the Lord actually is going to work. And you're reminding yourself of these realities, of the promises, like Hannah mentioned, and that there is a very real reality that in my waiting, like the Lord is going to do something that's even better than what I could have imagined. Yeah. Worship. Worship. Good. Uh huh. yeah do you have my server notes pulled up? yeah Wait, not you're you're yeah let me reiterate some of this real quick because this is gonna go on on uh a podcast and they're not hearing everything that's being said uh she just said uh that Waiting is not inactive, it's not just passive, like there is, there is process involved in that. Uh, and it was also mentioned that sometimes waiting is, is it's tiring, it's wearing, and uh, the Lord uh, provides for that. And even uh, pointed uh, towards examples of people who have been waiting for something the Lord has said for decades. Um, but the Spirit gives strength. It's funny that you say that. Somebody started to say something over here. We're gonna talk more about that next week. Right? Last one? Yeah. Be patient. Not try to lead the Lord, Let the Lord lead you. Yeah. Be patient and try to lead the Lord. Let the Lord lead you. Amen. Yeah. All right. A lot of good stuff. Like I almost I like I know you guys, and I know how how wicked smart you guys are. How holy smart you guys are. Maybe we should say that. <laughs> Why don't I live in New Jersey? All right. <laughs> I love this. Let's, let's, let's pull back up uh, verse 31 in there, that, how it ends from Isaiah. I guess we can start in verse 30. Um, let's do the next one. Oh, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to point out something that's that's in here that uh, I think is important. and, And even like KJ started to mention this. It says here, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. What does that mean? What is necessary or what does it mean has happened if a renewing of your strength Is to happen. Yeah, they get tired. There's a running out of strength, right? And some of you guys experience that in the highs and the lows. Like it can just be depleting in the in the good and the bad. This week has been. This weekend was full of of highs and lows, right? From birthdays, Denae's birthday was this weekend, uh, to losing a father, a cherished father, right, and having a funeral, to Uh, marrying off Joseph and Natalia, right? Like lots of fun things. Oh, by the way, they're married. (laughs) (laughs) So when you you see them in a couple of weeks, that's why they're not here, but uh, when you see them in a couple of weeks, uh, they is married. Um, But just through those things, like the Lord is, he's not overlooking your drainage, of strength it's not that he shows up and he's like oh wait are do you no longer have strength he knows he sees it it's, it's almost validated here they shall he shall renew their strength he sees it he knows what you've been walking through but he's got more for you if you need more strength he's got it it's in him uh uh Some of you may be sitting here saying and thinking to yourself, I don't have the strength to wait any longer. I can't take this anymore. I don't know how much longer I can hold on. It's not that these aren't valid expressions of a very real reality. It's just that they only explain the strength that you have in this moment. But the Lord is good. As long as he would have you wait, he has strength in abundance in reserve, to renew your strength. As long as you wait, I promise you, there's an even greater abundance of strength to wait and how you should wait for as long as you should wait. And in the many different ways that we see, actually this verse I think does a good job of kind of walking through different responses that those who wait on the Lord, that there are different ways that he would have them wait and different things that he's gonna have them do in response to that. We see three different responses right here. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Yes and amen, right? They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're gonna walk through that this week and next, but I wanna start with the first one. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Hmm. Maybe you already know the direction to the promised land that the Lord has spoken over your life. But your understanding would lead you to charge into the difficult valleys of hardship that the Lord simply wanted to have you mount up on wings like eagles and soar over with ease. Let me repeat that. You may already know what the Lord wants to do. But when you operate in your understanding... And certainly in your strength, it can lead you to run straight into a valley of hardship and difficulty. And it may even be possible that you still wind up in the place that the Lord had for you anyways. But you have been beaten and battered in a way that the Lord just wanted to give you the metaphorical wings to soar over. That's not the way he wanted to do it. But you didn't wait on the Lord. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh... Some of you are like, that doesn't sound like the right place to say you're excited. <laughs> like, I've walked in here, and I was so amped up, and there's so many, like, different different things. All right, I'm just going to say this phrase. <laughs> I'm going to read it because it was good, and the Lord gave it to me while we were in prayer time over here uh, this morning. Okay. Apparently, the enemy doesn't want me to say it, but too bad. The Lord's going to give me the words. What if I told you that the Lord in his grace and his mercy was withholding the secrets of your future because you are unwilling to wait on him if you were to know about it? What if the Lord, you're sitting here saying, I'm not hearing from the Lord. Remember what Whitney even said this morning? His silence is not an indicator of the lack of his presence. Yeah. What if the Lord, in his mercy, because he knows that you've not yet developed the ability and the character to hear what the Lord has to say regarding something and not just go from point A to point B as fast as you can. Yeah. Some of y'all know, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking, I don't have anybody in mind right here. Like, just don't, don't think that, but like, I'm stepping on some toes stepping on my own toes at times. What if, because we have not developed the ability to wait on the Lord first, he has in grace and his mercy been silent regarding your future because he knows if he tells it, if he shares it with you, you're just going to run as fast as you can to accomplish that thing. And you might cause so much heartache. You might complicate it in such a way that you might even miss it but he so desires for you to experience and enjoy what he has set aside for you that in his mercy he might be withholding even telling you about it in the first place because you've not yet developed the willingness to wait on him we know in scripture jesus told the disciples i no longer call you servants call you friends servant doesn't know what his master is doing. He doesn't, a master doesn't sit down with a slave and say, I'm, I think we're going to do this as the vision. This is where we're headed kind of thing. He doesn't do that with his servants. He does it with his friends. Jesus said that because he wants us to understand he desires friendship with you. But you've got to understand part of that friendship, part of the, the blessed opportunity, of getting to hear what the Lord wants to do is the responsibility of waiting on Him to do it. The image that uh, Amanda shared with me this morning—there's a lot of like different examples that were given—that uh, she she like went through her mind was that that racehorse who's like. All, like, just think of the racehorse, like at the starting like cage, right? They've got like the blinders on, like it's it is zoned in, like it is ready to go, right? But it's got to be restrained to a degree. If it jumps out there ahead of time, just ready to accomplish and win the race, maybe with complete fervor and strength, it will disqualify itself. It doesn't wait for the right timing. An example that I thought of. Um, some of you guys know I, I, I ride a motorcycle, um, and the one of the it's probably the the my favorite motorcycle I've ever ridden on was a Ducati, um, and that's like a high end motorcycle. And it was several years ago; it was probably like a decade ago or so um, when I had the opportunity to ride a Ducati through the Blue Ridge Mountains. Now, if you don't know anything about a Ducati, it is it is like a and a kid with ADHD who has been wound up with all of the sugar in the world just waiting to be unleashed. <laughs> so much power and potential just waiting for you to give it permission to do what it was built to do, right? But if you've ever driven through the Blue Ridge Mountains, you know that to unleash it in the wrong time is dangerous. Not until you see that straight away. This is metaphorical, I didn't do this. But it's not until you see that straight away. (laughs) Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy, God of grace. But it's not until you receive that permission, go now. Wait on the Lord. He has promises that undoubtedly he has given unto your life. Wait on the Lord. Don't try to make it happen. Don't try to lead the Lord. Let him lead you. They shall mount up like wi- with wings like eagles. Man, Psalm 46.10 starts with, be still and know that I'm God. There's more to that verse. And we'll come back to it. But I love like in English, like it says, be still, comma, like, hey, and know that I'm God. Some of you guys want to get to that second part, like, and, and know that I'm God. Like, I'm powerful. I can accomplish anything. You have the faith to believe that God can and will do the things he talks about in scripture. You're like, yes. But it's almost as if God knew. Hey, be still. Shh, 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 comma. Stop right there. Like, be still. That's not a, I believe the Lord can do it. Go! It's a, be still. Be still. Almost. My parents when I was a crazy look, be still. Be still. Be still. And know that I'm God. Has nobody told you? Have you not known? You're worried about this. I created that. Wait on me. I will deal with this in the perfect and right ways. How many times have you assessed the situation, stressing over how it's going to work out and figuring that either A, B, C, or D, like this is how it's going to happen. This A, B, C, or D was going to be what happened, only to find out that there was a G that you had no idea even existed and ended up being the case. By the way, most of the time that G is God. <laughs> Let's read Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. This is a great example of uh, waiting on the Lord in this in this in this idea of be still. There's a situation. Be still, and know that I'm God. Because sometimes that's how the Lord wants you to wait. He wants you to be still. Not the only way, but that's the way we're talking about right now. So I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, this is, this is uh, King Jehoshaphat, um, who is now the king. If, if, in a quick overview, uh, this is long past David, Solomon, down through actually the, the um, kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel has been divided into a northern kingdom of, called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. And this is the moment where the king of the southern uh, kingdom, Judah, Jehoshaphat, is now being surrounded by several armies that were not defeated during the conquering of the promised land. And now they're surrounding them trying to destroy them. And so let's read here uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. From beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, good start, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are the power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. "'Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us "'out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? "'For we are powerless against this great horde "'that is coming against us. "'We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. "'Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord "'with their little ones, their wives, and their children.'" And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love indoors. Let me just paint this picture if you haven't seen it in your head. He's getting, he has a, a massive army that he's already admitted, we stand zero chance against this. Cries out to the Lord, seeks the Lord through fasting and prayer. What do we do? The Lord responds, you just go out there. This battle will belong to me, not to you. I will deal with it. And some of you would respond in that moment like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I get that. That's, that's right. God will. But we got to strategize here. We got to figure something out. Yes, the Lord is with us. He's going to take care of us. That's not what the Lord said. He said, just go. Trust me and believe me. So what is their battle plan? They put the worshipers at the front line. That's why we love worship. The battle we are going after. it in, in, we walk through spiritual warfare. This is how I fight my battle. Like, we <laughs> worship. Can you imagine that? I've said this before. Can you imagine coming against an army? And they don't put, like, their best weapons for you to, like, see first. They put their worshipers. They are singing The goodness of their Lord who will win the battle for them. They are singing of the victory they're going to have before it even happens. (laughs) You would look at them and be like, wait, why why are they so excited? Like, we're stronger stronger than them. Why are they? They put the worshipers first. We worship into what we are going to step into. And let me tell you something. I'm going to zone this in to, to Phoenix Athens real quick. We've been kind of stepping into something fun and new regarding worship in general, and it's still not even close to what it's going to be. I think what the Lord's going to do through worship here, here and here through this city, it's going to be a powerful movement that the Lord uses. Okay, I'm just putting that on recording. You don't have to believe it yet. All right? (laughs) Verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon around Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. If we were to keep reading, when the Israelites show up... To the battlefield, everyone's dead. The only thing left besides their bodies were the spoils, were the treasures. Their job, all the Lord wanted them to do was believe, worship, and then pick up the treasures. But they waited on the Lord. And there will be times in the Israelites' history where they will make the mistake of going foreign nations for help instead of to their God. I think, Stephen, did you preach on that two weeks ago? Did you bring that up at some point? They went to the strength of Egypt to save them from their enemies, and the Lord was not pleased. Wait on the Lord. Sometimes the Lord, as we said, wants you to soar on wings over a situation, not just because he doesn't want you to have to go through the difficult route unnecessarily, But sometimes he does that because he wants you to have the confidence that you need to have in the difficulty of what you're about to walk in, you need to have the confidence of his calling because he brought you into that in a way that you can't explain by any human terms. Sometimes the Lord would rather you wait on him so that you can soar on wings like eagles so that you don't go through the difficult valley that you naturally wanted to go through because you thought that's how this is going to get solved, that's how this is going to work. Sometimes he wants to preserve you from having to walk through unnecessary difficulty and hardship. But also sometimes he wants you to mount up on wiggles, on, on wiggles. He wants you to mount up <laughs> on wings like eagles. Because who does that? The Lord. And it's such a miraculous way that he brings you into a calling, into a promise, into what he's asking you to step in because he knows when you get there, I promise you, when Lindsay and I operated in obedience and went to, uh, to, to be missionaries in Africa, we wrote letters to ourselves reminding ourselves what the Lord said and what he did. He, he used two dreams and the only open vision I've ever had in my life when I didn't even know those were real things. (laughs) I haven't even had an open vision since then. I would love to have one again, but he used those in a moment to confirm where we were supposed to go, undeniably. Another story for another day. Sorry for that cliffhanger. But sometimes he wants you to soar on wings like eagles because only he can make you soar on wings like eagles. And when you know he's called you unto something and it gets hard, you're able to look back and say, it wasn't me who trudged into this and I'm suffering this because of, I missed it. Or maybe the Lord didn't really call me into it. He does that because he wants you to see the undeniable ways that he's working to do that. Go back to, jo- I mentioned last week, Joshua chapter three, when they were, the Israelites were at the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River was the promised land. What did God say? Do we have Joshua 3.10? Do you have that, KJ? Awesome. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Here is how that will happen. Do you remember what he said? We're going to have the priest take the Ark of the Covenant. And when you step into the river, when the soles of their feet touch the river, I will make dry land. The river was overflowing. It was harvest season. It was flooding. He didn't want them to doubt what he was calling them and promising them. He said, I will work in such a way that it's undeniable what I am going to do. Be still. Sometimes when the situation around us is swirling uncontrollably, the Lord reminds us, as he does in Psalm 23, that he has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So, what's your next step? Sit down at the table. Sit down at the table of the Lord and renew your strength with the food of the Lord's presence. Can I tell you that those moments, you may be fighting and pushing to get to this promised land that's gonna be so good, but the moment of waiting and choosing to sit down in the presence of the Lord at the table he has prepared for you in the midst of all the, the hardship and the difficulties, that that moment where you're just able to sit down with him, it might even be better than whatever's waiting in the promised land. Do you, do you understand that the greatest promised land that's waiting for us is an eternity in his presence? So why should we look at waiting for the Lord, sitting and being still in his presence as a hindrance or as a problem to what we're trying to get through? We're trying to get this problem solved. We just want to get to the other side of it. We just need the provision for this. We just need this to stop, to end, to be resolved, whatever it is. We just want that. But can I tell you that at the end of it, that will be nothing compared to being in his presence, I remember that there were instances in my life as a child that I thought were world-ending. But I can't remember specifically what they were. But I remember those moments where I just encountered and felt his presence in such a good way, such a sweet and tender way. And sometimes the Lord allows those times of hardship to lead us into a moment of his presence because we're not choosing it otherwise. Be still and being still and waiting on the Lord is not an act of weakness. Let me give you an illustration. If we were to personify just whatever it is that's like coming up against you, whatever you're dealing with, if we were just to personify as that like a person who is charging at you, or let's just say charging at me, right? We'll use this as an illustration. I'm going to respond with a different degree of motions, uh, of of expressions, right? I'm not even going to use words in the moment. So I've got whatever is coming against you is personified as a person who is charging against me. Maybe they've got weapons drawn or whatever, and it's coming at me. It's what I'm feeling. It's what I'm dealing with in the moment. This situation is so difficult. It feels like this illustration, okay? I'm going to do a couple of expressions, and I want you to tell me... um, how you think I'm responding to the situation, okay? Are you ready? This is a little little, back, little game. Sorry for anybody who's on the podcast. You don't see this, but it'll be on YouTube. All right, you ready? This is, this is situation number one. Charging at me, weapons. How did I just respond? Fear and what did I do? I ran. I ran. Ran and hide. All right. Here's situation number two. You can go ahead and answer like I, like make me keep doing it <laughs> huh scared I was freezing worried yeah like oh man oh oh man right all right here's another situation right like i'm ready to fight i'm ready to fight Right, Which I'm not saying, like, we we've talked about, like, hey, don't forget in spiritual warfare, you got a sword. Right? Don't forget that. I'm not discounting that. But I'll watch this next one. <laughs> the confidence. Charging at me. Come on, buddy. It's almost as if I know something that he doesn't know you tell me, if you were charging at me, and I responded in those different ways, which one would kind of mess with your mind a little bit? You're definitely not afraid of somebody who's running from you. You can smell the fear in the second scenario. You may even size me up and be like, I can take them, right, if I'm ready to fight. But if I'm standing there in confidence with a little smirk on my face, a smile that almost says, yeah, come on, let's see what you got. Go ahead. I know a guy. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to get in your mind. Like, wait, what, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. What, is, what is he? What does he know that I don't know? Like, what's going on right now? Maybe it's that my God is God and he will deliver, right? There is a power. It is not weak to wait on the Lord because just as was mentioned the real version of waiting on the Lord is with anticipation. It is with an expectancy that the Lord actually is going to work and move. Therefore, I don't need to respond with worry. I don't need to respond with fear. I don't need to run from it or ignore it. I just stand with this joyful expectation and confidence that my God actually will deliver. I can wait in this moment. I can choose in the presence of my enemies to sit down at a table. Like never let that get old. See that imagery in the presence of your enemies. If you guys were all like coming against me in my life, the Lord says, I got a table right here. Take a seat. Yeah, but you don't understand, like, they're coming. They're getting closer. They're, like, right here. They're going to do something. It's going to be really, really bad. Just sit down. Be still and know that I'm God. Take a seat at the table. The Lord works in ways and in timings that are different than we understand. 2 <laughs> Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. With the Lord... But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness. It's almost as if like he's like, some people in mind, like the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. This, at the very least, right, is teaching us that God operates in different timelines than we do. He also operates in different ways than we understand. And that is such an important, like, fact. That is such an important truth that we are all just going to continue to understand and learn how to rely upon more and more as as we grow in our faith. Think about it. And there's so much freedom in realizing God just works differently than you do. He just works differently than you do. Your best understanding, yours, I I like, I constantly have to like, I had to correct myself and learn to correct myself uh, when I was praying to the Lord. I would catch myself praying for something and then like following it up by explaining to God why it would be the best way to, to work. You ever done that before? God, I can just see how a multitude would come to salvation if you just bring healing in this moment right here. Like I'm almost, it's like, it's almost like the Lord saying, hey, are you trying to convince me or are you trying to convince yourself? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we try to convince God, do it now. But what does the story of Lazarus teach us? There was a friend of Jesus named Lazarus. Jesus was out doing ministry over here. And somebody came and said, your friend Lazarus is sick. And everybody knows if Jesus shows up on the scene, Lazarus is getting healed. But what does Jesus do? He waits. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for Lazarus to die. See, some of us, in our faith in the Lord's ability to heal, say, Jesus, I believe in your, I have the faith that you can heal. I even know your heart to heal. Go and heal. But we're limited in our understanding. We think it's A, B, C, or D. And Jesus, in order that God would be glorified, because the other part of that verse is be still and know that I'm God, I will be exalted in the earth. He will be glorified among the nations. He will do what is needed that he would be glorified. And in that moment when we thought it was A, B, C or heal, it was actually die. It was something completely different. But then he shows up on the scene and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Because that's our God and that's what he does. But the key thing to remember in this moment is that we have to trust that he works in ways we don't always understand. Be careful to limit the Lord based upon how you think he works or how you think he should work or when you think he should work and how you think he should work. Do you see the problem, like the common denominator is you think? It's us. Wait on the Lord Is getting ourselves aligned with His timing, with His purposes, with His ways. I was when I was I knew that the Lord had this uh, for me to 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 speak on this week, and so I was. I remember sitting in here in the prayer room, and it was just me in here. Nobody else was in here until Mike walked in. He didn't see me on stage, and I scared him. Sorry, Mike. Uh, But like I was just sitting here, and there was a Spotify playlist that was going going on, and. Randomly, this like moment is like a pre-worship moment uh, that I've never heard before. Uh, the the guy uh, is is prepping like the audience for a moment of speaking, or sorry, a moment of worship, and he says, um, "I just feel like somebody needs to hear." Like you're just hearing, like you're just experiencing this phrase, like wait on the Lord or wait for the Lord. And you're just feeling like you're in this moment all by yourself and you're waiting for the Lord to actually show up and work and move. But what he's saying is you have to understand that with the Lord, it's waiting, it's not as much waiting on the Lord as it is waiting with the Lord. That's so powerful. If you can understand that the Lord already knows the answer to what you're dealing with, He knows how it plays in to everything else. He knows how this all works itself together. Then you can get your heart into a place where you're no longer waiting on the Lord. You're waiting with the Lord for the right perfect timing and the right perfect way to see resolution brought. That'll change your heart. That'll change your mind. Waiting on the Lord is an act of trust. That was said. There's simply a degree of wisdom that comes with walking with the Lord for an extended amount of time, understanding that God actually, truly, really knows so much more than I do, so much more than I will ever be able to comprehend or understand. As much as we feel like we have a situation assessed, worked out every possible outcome, and uh, a reason or purpose for how things have or should happen, there's just more to the story that we understand. Like, that's a piece of wisdom I've started to learn, I'm continuing to learn, and we all need to really incorporate. It really will free you up. It is, it, is a, it is a nugget of wisdom from the Lord, not from me, that he just knows more than I do. When things don't make sense, I've learned to wait. The situation isn't limited to my experience and my story alone. How often do we do that? I'm the one who's experiencing and dealing with all these things right now. And so I limit my understanding of how God is or isn't working or how he should or shouldn't work to how like it helps me. But the Lord is way better at this than we are. And he's actually in control over way more people in the story and in the journey than just you. He also understands that it's not limited to my timeline and my immediate moments. What he wants to do impacts the future. The current moment, the storyline now plays a purpose in the storyline later. My understanding, even in the two examples I gave above, I may not ever understand or get to know why on this side of eternity. You need to learn to live with that. Can I say that? He's worth you trusting it unto him, saying, I don't know why that was the case, but I trust you. I still believe in your goodness and your faithfulness. I remember, I think I've shared the story before of Uh, Like two or three trips to India ago, I remember like day two, day one, we get there late on a Saturday, go to sleep, wake up Sunday morning, go to worship. I'm asked to preach. I preached the sermon. At the end of the sermon, I remember like at some point, uh, a man, like a really old, deathly looking man being uh, ushered in into the backside of the room over here, Uh, come to find out he was literally on his deathbed. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do for you um you're going to die you might as well go home and die and all of the neighbors they're like there's nothing they could do and somebody randomly says hey why don't you check out this church we've heard that god does like their god does stuff over there right and so the family brings him to the church right i preach this sermon at the end of it i get i offer an invitation does anybody want to receive the lord or what i think there's a couple of people over here uh We pray with them. We have this moment, and then we end the service, and as people are getting up to go, the man, as he's leaving, collapses on the floor right there. And as they're doing CPR, Stephen and I are holding his hands, praying over him, believing in complete faith for healing. There's literally a woman in the room who had been brought back from the dead. We're believing in full faith. This is day one. Our team is there watching. And he dies. He passes away. And we're left in the moment. God, what do we do? That is the most boomer way to start a mission trip. But <laughs> we pick ourselves up. And we follow the Lord. And the Lord continues to do amazing things on that trip. And we come back. And it wasn't, it was maybe nine, ten months later, somebody from India came and visited our church. And I think we were getting ready to, we're gonna send another team, and he came to, to just kind of encourage the team, all these different things. And he says, and just like a passing moment he says, Oh, hey, Pastor Nate, do you remember that guy that died? And I said, Yeah, I do. <laughs> Didn't forget that. He said, He came in with his wife and his daughters, and they told me that you didn't see it, but when you asked if anybody wanted to receive Jesus, Lord and Savior, he raised his hand. With his last breath, he gave his life to his creator that he would see just a moment later. And through that, his wife, his daughters, their family, and their neighborhood have become Christians and are leaders in the church. They are telling everybody about Jesus. The Lord was really gracious to me to allow me to hear that, that that story didn't end with, I believed for, 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 for resurrection power, but it just didn't happen in there. He allowed me to see that. But if I had never been told that story and never knew the background, God's goodness and God's faithfulness don't diminish He simply knows more than I do. He simply understands so much more that's involved, the people that are involved, the timelines that's involved. His wisdom is so multifaceted. Even if I were to imagine it, it wouldn't come close. Let's just start at the fact that right now on Sunday, there's millions at least of prayers that are going up in these hours right now. He hears every single one of them. That should blow your mind. That should bring you to a place where you understand, I can't comprehend the way this God comprehends. I can't. I'm going to teach him. I'm going to teach him wisdom. I'm going to show him understanding. But that's the way I pray. Lord, I don't understand why you're not doing this right now. Why won't you speak to me? Why don't you give me these things? You just don't understand everything. Be okay and lean on his goodness. Lean on his faithfulness wait for him, he will respond. Waiting on the Lord is an act of reinforcing lordship. Perhaps the biggest rub that waiting has against our flesh is acknowledging the lack of control that we have and or refusing to take control. That's hard. This is a problem. It needs to be dealt with. I think I can take care of it. Like, I want to take care of it. I'm feeling the pressure to take care of it. We want to take control so many times. But waiting on the Lord says, you're the Lord. Waiting on the who? The Lord. This doesn't mean we do nothing, which was mentioned, and we will dive deeper into that next week. This doesn't mean that we do nothing. But we wait on him first before we do anything. We seek him. Last week, I mean, I had an extreme example of experiencing this. I remember I heard nothing. Again, I reiterate, I heard nothing from the Lord. It didn't make sense to me. And I told you last week, at the beginning of it, I did not handle that very well. I was not happy. (laughs) I was pretty grumpy about it, to be honest with you. Listen, I can explain all the reasons why I felt that way. right? Like, it wasn't just, Lord, what do you want? It wasn't even that I didn't have direction on what the Lord wanted me to preach on. It was in my quiet time, in just time with him, I was hearing nothing. He wasn't saying anything. I think I told you before, I've never wanted to be rebuked so badly in my life. Like, Lord, what is it? Like, like reveal to me, Like, convict my heart of what's wrong and what's in the way of why you're not speaking to me. Let's deal with that. You're, you're using silence. I teach that before. Sometimes the Lord will use silence to, to bring forth not just the thing that we want to talk about, but the thing we don't want to talk about. He wants to deal with that. So my like, Lord, let's bring that up. I've never wanted to be rebuked so much in my life, but I heard nothing, and it didn't make sense to me. Why would the Lord love me so much? I know he loves me. Why wouldn't he talk to me? If there was something wrong in my life, he would want me to confess it and deal with it. Nothing didn't make sense. Listen, I don't know if you guys understand this, but like without him, I'm nothing. Like I'm utterly nothing. And it can be a scary place to feel like you're alone in yourself and you are all you have. The Lord is good to use those moments to help remind you never to depend on yourself because you're not by yourself. For the first few days, I didn't handle it well. I come in here on Thursday night for a hop. I'm doing slides in the back, and the Lord is good enough to show us that He loves us. Somebody walks in, and eventually comes to me later and says, "Can I speak to you? I feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart." And she said, "When I walked into the room, I felt a wave of heaviness that was so heavy, and felt so lonely. I couldn't breathe." So I had to walk out into the lobby just to get breath. I'm like, Lord, what is this? is this? Is this me or is this somebody else? And she said, and your name or your face popped up in my mind. I, I understand the intimidating aspect of that, of feeling like you get a word of loneliness about your pastor. But in obedience, she came forward and shared. And I said, thank you. You're hearing from the Lord. And God is good in that moment. But even still in that, I had even told the Lord before I went to Ahab, because I just know how you people are when we gather together. You hear from the Lord, right? I was like, Lord, I want to hear from you. I love that you speak to other people, and I appreciated the encouragement. I want to hear from you. Some of us would hear that story and be like, yes! Like, God spoke. Like, it was amazing how he did that. But personally, I was like, I still want to hear from him myself. And I was hearing nothing. But... What it initiated within me was a reminder i'm not alone and i will not respond to the lack of his voice i will stand in the victory that i have i will stand in the promises that i have and i can say this is not a look at me moment this is a me testifying moment i put a genuine smile on my face friday morning and worshipped the lord spent time in his word joyfully believing in the promises knowing with a confidence He's going to give me something to say. Friday came and went, nothing. Saturday, same thing. The Lord is good. He's genuinely good. I love you, Lord. I love you. And that is not determined by whether or not I hear from you. Heard nothing. Again, I tell you, when it's nighttime Saturday night and you got to preach a sermon the next morning, feeling like what you're supposed to do is go to sleep and trust that the Lord will provide in his timing and in his way, wait on the Lord. He certainly was faithful last week. And he's even given me above and beyond because of that. What if your inability, oh, there's the word I was looking for earlier. I'll say it again just in case because was hard hitting. What if your inability to wait on the Lord is the very hindrance that causes the Lord to respond in mercy by withholding the secrets of the future unto you? Man, that's so good. How you wait on the Lord matters just as much that you wait on the Lord. Told you the ways I didn't answer well. Holding on to truth and promises from God's word. I think Hannah, you mentioned that. While we're waiting on the Lord, we're holding on to the truths of Scripture. Waiting produces things within you. Do you realize that? Romans 5, let's read that real quick. Romans 5 reminds us that, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The waiting produces something that the doing never will. The waiting on the Lord produces something within you that the doing never will. We've said this about spiritual gifts before. Sometimes we just want like the highest degree of a spiritual gift. Like I, I eagerly desire a spiritual gift, Lord. Like I want, I want like a master level version of it right now. And the Lord in his grace gives us a seed instead because he knows if he gave you the oak, it would crush you. You haven't built the infrastructure of waiting on him that perseverance, the endurance, the trust, the character, the hope that is going to be required to carry the degree of glory he wants to pour out. Waiting on the Lord produces within us something the doing never could. What if I told you that waiting on the Lord wasn't a pause in the journey, but was part of the journey? We look at waiting on the Lord as an action where like, we have, we're moving forward towards this thing, towards this promise, towards this resolution, towards whatever it is. And the concept of waiting on the Lord is pressing pause on the journey. But what if that time of waiting on the Lord, which we already acknowledged produces something that moving forward never could, what if we understood that it is part of the journey? Waiting on the Lord is moving forward. In fact, it is the way to move forward, at least in this direction. When we don't, how do I recognize the leading of the Lord versus the leading of the enemy or my flesh? Does it align with God's word? He'll never go against what he says in his word. If you feel like the leading goes against God's word, he's not the one leading. Are you led? Hear this. Are you being led in your decision by fear or anxiety or worry? I, I, it's, it's coming, it's coming like I gotta make this decision. Like it's it's pressing upon me. I've been in those moments, I understand what you're talking about, I know what you mean, but you've not been given a spirit of fear. We've been instructed not to be anxious in anything. And Jesus himself told us that worrying cannot add a single day to your life. They're not from him. The spirit we have been given is one of power, love, and a sound mind, and who produces things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. If I'm trying to figure out, waiting on the Lord, what should I do on the other side of that? How do I know when he has said, work, move, act, which we'll dive into later next week? How is it coming about? If I'm feeling rushed into this situation, listen, there are moments when the Lord will give you a holy fervor to act now, but it's never wrapped in fear, it's never wrapped in anxiety, and it's never wrapped in worry. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that has to be the Lord. It has to be the difficult route. It also doesn't have to be the slow route, but what I'm trying to teach us is waiting on the Lord produces a peace within you. No matter the speed, no matter the action, no matter the response, a peace comes along with his direction and how we move forward. That's what's available to you if you just sit and wait for it. Versus pushing forward, dealing with pressure, hardship, difficulty, and then wondering, did I hear right from the Lord in the first place? You may have heard right. The Israelites knew there was a promised land. But if they rushed into it in their own way, they may have come across all kinds of destruction and catastrophe and wondered, wait, were we supposed to do this anyways? Rush decisions is not how the Lord operates but he brings and wraps peace and confidence in how he teaches us and how he leads us. How many of us, and I'll close with this, how many of us, if we were Moses leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, and all of a sudden we get stopped by the Red Sea and the Israelite army bearing down on us, how many of us, I wonder, If you put yourself in that situation, would have looked at the immediate pressing pressure moment of what's about to happen between the Israelite army coming to devour us. How many of us would have, in wisdom, either told the army, jump in, (laughs) swim, swim for the other side, make a run for it. How many of us would have said, stand your ground and fight? How many of us would have said, quick, make white flags. Maybe they'll have mercy on us and just take us back into captivity catastrophe after catastrophe. But if we're honest with ourselves in that moment, in the pressurized moment of a very real army coming against us and the realities that are in front of us would have selected one of those options because those seem like the only A, B, or C options available. Listen, what I'm trying to tell us, what I'm trying to get us today to start with is understanding that waiting on the Lord, maybe it's just possible that we can get to a place where we understand God works in different ways than we can understand. In fact, if you go back and read the amazing stories of God's deliverance throughout scripture, it was ways that weren't a b c or d. When they waited on the Lord, he did something mind-blowing. So I ask you, what are we after? What are you consecrating yourself for? What are you believing or desiring the Lord to do in your life, but also like here in Athens, through Athens? unto the nations, like, what are you desiring? And can I just, like, suggest that perhaps what we really need to do in this preparation, consecration season is train our minds to wait on the Lord because he might do something that you'll never even dream of. But if we just operate in our understanding and in our strength, we'll never see it. I'm going to bring this back up next week. Don't Ishmael your Isaac. Don't take the promise. Try to make it happen in your understanding, in your way. Stay with me. Micah 7-7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation my God will hear me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens Podcast. Be on the lookout for the next step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website linked below.